You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. What is up, you guys? How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Okay, let's give it up for Ben, guys. Ethan? Love you, appreciate it. Obviously, Sam and Isaac as well. You guys killed it tonight. All right, I am happy to be here with you guys, and uh, I am so glad to have the opportunity to share with you guys this evening. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 31, as that is the scripture we're going to be diving into tonight. There um, we go. Uh, as you guys are going ahead and turning there, I just want to go ahead and start off with a, a story from my life that, um, that I believe God put on my heart to share with you guys this evening, um, as it has kind of brought this entire passage um, home for me in a different way or an unusual way um, that, I mean, I, I didn't expect. Um, so as some of you who, who know me may know, um, a couple years ago, I spent a summer working at San Marcos Christian Camp uh, in the summer of 2019. Uh, while I was up there, um, I was there for the whole summer. Uh, and it was, it, if you don't know where uh, San Marcos Christian Camp is, sorry, it's in the mountains or the hills between San Ynez Valley and Santa Barbara. Um, and it is a beautiful little area. Uh, it's got a nice pool, all fun stuff. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I decided to take that summer that I was going to be gone and just away in nature at the camp as an opportunity um, to kind of, I don't know, have some self-evaluation and self-reflection a little bit. Um, and again, as some of you who know me may have known, up to that point I was, as some like to put it, chronically single. Um, and so having a relationship had been on my mind and on my heart and something I desired for a very long time up until that point. So I decided to take the summer to not have that on my mind at all whatsoever and um, just focus on God and focus on who he was calling me to be. Um, in the beginning of the summer, uh, there was a day off uh, after orientation and I decided to spend that day at the beach. Um, just enjoyed the day, and as I was on my way back up the mountain, uh, I underestimated and misjudged how rainy it had been that day as I was taking a, cur- a turn, um, and when I tell you that I Tokyo drifted my little Honda Civic um, right into oncoming traffic, it was, it was a mess. Uh, it resulted in that poor little car uh, being totaled. And um, luckily no one was hurt. I, and I am here to stand here before you today. Um, it's a miracle, honestly. And so, yeah, that just kind of, that, that threw me by surprise. And I did not expect that to happen at all. Um, but that loss of my car kind of set the tone and a little bit of the mood and the stage for an incredibly taxing summer which I would never have been able to guess or prepare for. Um, 
So that is a little bit of the backstory to my story, just so you know. Um, so for the duration of the summer, I had, had to rely heavily on my coworkers who still had their cars um, in order to get around to any events that I wanted to attend. Um, the people that I worked with included my 17-year-old brother, Caleb, who did not have his license or a car at the time, uh, two brothers who had flown out from Connecticut, um, who also didn't have a car for obvious reasons, uh, and two girls on staff, uh, Katie, who had driven down from Chico State, and uh, one other girl who lived roughly five minutes from the camp, Gloria, um, who had worked there for about three years at this point. Um, and looking back now, I am able to see the moments and the trends and signs that, certain that led up to certain events. Um, but in the moment, I was blinded by my own desire to solve my own problems and to fix my own situation without any help. Uh, a little over the, the, or a little over a month before the end of the summer, um, and an, another girl had come to help us run one of the weeks at camp, um, and we were told that there was going to be a half day off, um, which was rare. We rarely ever got time off because we're living at the camp, so there's no excuse not to work because you're there. So um, we were super excited to have a half day off, and I decided that all I wanted to do was just go and take a nap on the beach. I was literally 20 minutes away from the beach this whole time, this whole summer, and it had been th two months of no beach whatsoever, nothing. And I was like, I don't care. I just want to go take a nap on the beach. So as I was sitting and discussing like the half day off with Gloria, I was like, I don't care what happens, I just want to go. And she, she had a car, so she offered, she's like, I'll come with you. And I was like, okay, cool. So we hatched the plan. I said I would go ask the guys if they wanted to come. She would ask the girls. So we split ways. I went and asked the guys, and they're like, uh, why would we spend our free time with these people? We don't like them anyway. Um, no thanks. And there's a little bit of history there, but it's not enough time to get into that. Um, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I don't care. Uh, I had a half day off, and I want to go take a nap on the beach. That was my mindset the entire time. So uh, the half day off came, and I went and got in Gloria's car, and as we're driving, she's like, oh yeah, Katie said she didn't want to come, and I believed her. And so we went to pick up the other girl who was on staff for the week, it had said that they, she wanted to come, and so we drove up, I stayed in the car, Gloria went out to get her, came back alone, and said, oh, she said she's tired, she uh, doesn't want to come, but she said we should come, and I was like, okay, and I believed her. And so we took off. Because again, I was not caring. I didn't care what it looked like. I didn't care what would happen. And so as we are at the beach, finally, I set up my spot. I'm laying down. I have my, my shirt, my hoodie, my towel all as like a makeshift pillow behind my head. And I'm just laying there, enjoying, soaking up the sun. And uh, Gloria decides to come lay down next to me. And I'm just like ignoring it. I'm like, whatever, cool. And all of a sudden, she kind of starts shivering. And I'm like, why the heck are you shivering in 75 degree weather? Okay, whatever. And she kind of like turns and she's like facing away from me. She's like, I'm cold. And I'm like, well, here's my hoodie. Put it on, you freak. Um, <laughs> and she puts it on. A few minutes later, 
Turns out I'm still cold. Okay, weird. Took my towel. I'm like, can you use a blanket? I don't care. Maybe. Maybe a blanket. Does that work? Sure. Okay. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And by this time, I'm getting a little bit more uncomfortable. Uh, not only because my makeshift pillow is now gone from my nap, um, but as I've been giving her each of these things, she's slowly just kind of like getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And I'm like, like why? There's an entire beach here. What are you doing? And a few minutes later, she kind of like turns over to face me. And next thing I know, she is on top of me, literally trying to suck my face off. And I don't mean that lightly. Like, literally. Okay, have any of you guys seen the movie Monsters? I'm just, most of you have, I'm sure. If not all of you. Monsters Inc. You guys have seen that movie? Okay. You guys remember the part when, uh, when Randall accidentally kidnaps Mike, Mike Wazowski and takes him down to like that basement and he has that scream extractor machine? I was Mike Wazowski! <laughs> With that freaking machine just like... You know what I mean? Or more accurately, Randall's like assistant a few minutes later when his face is all pale and his lips are all like holding... <laughs> yeah? That was me, okay? I'm laying on my back and she's on top of me, literally just... I had no idea what to do. And I mean, like, looking back, I can, I can make a joke about it like that. But in the moment, I had no idea what to do. I was numb. And when I get, when I finally got her off me, I sat up, packed up my stuff immediately and just drove us back to the camp. I just drove back and by the time I got back, the entire camp was deserted. There was nobody there because everybody else was gone on their half day off. And so I ran in, ran in my cabin and just locked the door behind me, laid on my bed, staring at the ceiling. Numb. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know what to think. I was overwhelmed and overcome. Overwhelmed by my lack of freedom throughout the whole summer and, and overcome by the feeling of violation that I had just experienced. So that was my first kiss. Stolen. So to change gears a little bit, this kind of sets the stage for tonight's passage. So tonight we're going to be looking over 1 Samuel chapter 31, uh, which, spoiler alert, is called the death of Saul. Um, so that kind of explains what we're going to be going over. Um, so I'll just take a moment to just read that passage right now for us. Starting verse 1. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. And the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. 
Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearers saw that Saul was dead, he too also fell on his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, his three sons and his armor bearer, and all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw the men, or that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They decided to cut off his head and strip off his armor and send messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jebesh Gilead, weird names, heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and, his, and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jebesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jebesh and fasted seven days. When I was reading this passage in preparation for tonight, I couldn't help but think of where we've been in this series so far. We've been following Saul's life, from him being a diligent worker for his father, tending to his dad's donkeys, to God choosing him as the first king of Israel and being his anointed, all the way down to that anointing being stripped from him, as well as his kingdom due to his lack of patience. And that being stripped to him, from him and given to, to David. And everything in between. And now even to his death. But what struck me the most was this. I would love to stand here and say that after hearing Josh and Josh and Kel bringing the word in previous weeks, that I've been only encouraged in my own walk and that at every turn I've been able to relate to David in some aspect. I would love to be able to stand up here and say that. The man after God's own heart, who at this point in the story is a shining example of remembering and keeping in mind who truly is king. But if I'm being honest, completely honest, I can't help but relate to Saul. Because throughout this entire series, I've seen a man who, when faced with the choice or the chance, has chosen to try to accomplish it all on his own. Try to accomplish his own will on his own. Not God's will, his own will on his own. A man who has been choosing to make the sacrifice on his own instead of waiting patiently for the the prophet who's supposed to do it. The one who is obsessed with the relying on his own strength to establish his kingdom instead of turning to the one who gave it to him in the first place. A man who is too naive to care about ensuring that he was not put in a situation where he would be taken advantage of 
a man who selfishly cared more about his freedom to take a nap on the beach or to get what he wanted any time during the summer or where he wanted than to choose to trust and rely on God. The two words that God gave me when thinking about tonight's message, which I've already actually said, are overwhelmed and overcome. As Saul is standing here on the battlefield, he is so overwhelmed by the loss of his sons, his men, his kingdom, and overcome by every one of his adversaries that he decides it would be best to just end it all. And I can just imagine him standing there, thinking of all the ways and all the times that he went wrong, and maybe even just realizing or thinking of what may have happened if he had made a different decision in some of these situations. But it's all too late for him now. And he falls on his sword. The beauty of it is, though, I don't know what each of your lives have entailed, but I can safely guess that in one way or another, this year, of all years, you felt overwhelmed and overcome by something. And the reality is, God is right there to help you through it if you're humble and ask him for his help. I, have, I know for a fact that God is a God of a million second chances. I've seen it in my own life. And I have no doubt that in the example of Saul, if he had humbled himself and repented and made God king in his life, rather than trying to build himself up, this would be a completely different story, for one thing. But we'll never know. One observation that I had, uh, I've made in hearing the messages from Cal and Josh specifically uh, a couple weeks ago uh, is that we've seen also that there were multiple opportunities for David to take Saul's life and step into his role as the next king of Israel. But he didn't. And this brought me to another amazing truth. When you are living with God as your king, he will not only guide you, but will protect you from convenient opportunities to stray from his will. David had the chance not once, but twice to kill Saul. And God said, I've called you to be the next king, but not like this. Can you think of a time in your life where the opportunity was right there, and if you just took this one step forward, you would go right into the role that God's called you to? But he was like, not like this, guys. Not like this. Not yet. Yes, that's, that's where you're going. But not like this. I do want to share with you the culmination of the story, the conclusion of what happened. Um, 
after the day when I was Mike Wazowski'd, um, I had a very rough week and a half of confusion. Um, as I was still having to work with Gloria um, and hadn't told anybody about what had happened, she took every opportunity to gaslight me and make me think, or try to make me think, that it was somehow my fault. And it got to the point where I was second-guessing myself and even questioning, was it my fault? Was I the one that initiated it to begin with? Was it because, I mean, being in the situation where I knew I shouldn't have been anyway, alone on a beach with just one another a girl that I had no interest in, did I, was that my fault? And it wasn't until a, I saw my older sister about a week and a half after the event itself. And she drugged the story out of me because she could tell there was something wrong with me, as family typically can. And it wasn't until then that I started to realize exactly what happened and how wrong and violated I felt by the situation and what happened. So to make a long story short, I decided to open up and tell my parents, my supervisor at the time at the camp, who just so happened to also be my uncle, um, the owner of the camp, which was a family friend, and I finally just opened up and shared what had happened. And it was a good thing that I did this too, because unbeknownst to me, apparently Gloria had been going around spreading a completely different story to my coworkers, in which I was the aggressor and the one on top, to be explicit. But once I opened up, the record was set straight, and I was actually informed by the owner of the camp that I was the third person that there had been an incident with, or in, re in regards to her, at the camp. So I was, I was thanked, and within a week, she was no longer employed at San Marcos. And when I tell you, that final three weeks of camp were some of the most peaceful, unified, and spiritually enriching that there had been all summer. We were able to come together as a team in ways that we were impossible earlier on in the summer. All the guys, and even uh, Katie, who the boys had a problem with. But this brings me to my final point, and I'll end with this. A couple of questions. What in your life are you feeling overwhelmed and overcome by, and how can you give it over to God? When we humbly turn and as the cliche says, let go and let God, through prayer, that is when we will be overwhelmed by his grace and overcome by his love. Let me say that again. When we humbly turn and let go and let God, that is when we will be overwhelmed by his grace and overcome by his love. 
And that's a place that I think we can all get used to being and live again. I just want to pray for us. God, I just thank you so much for this evening and the time that you've given us to be here together in fellowship with one another and also growing closer to you, Lord. I pray that whatever we're going through, you know each and every one of our lives, each and every one of our hearts, God. Pray that whatever it is that this year has brought that has been overwhelming and has been overcoming every aspect of our lives and thoughts, that you would just take hold of it and help us through it. As we earnestly are seeking you, we humbly sit, stand here tonight and we ask that you help. Thank you again for this evening and I pray that you would just bless the rest of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.